Welcome to the St. Barnabas Anglican Church Podcast. We share sermons, teachings, and messages from St. Barnabas Anglican Church in Fort Worth, Texas. I'm Father Andrew, the senior pastor at the church, and I'm glad you're listening today. You're always invited to worship in person on Sunday mornings at 8 and 10 a.m. and on Wednesday nights at 6.30 p.m. You can also visit us online at stbarnabas.us. That's S-T-B-A-R-N-A-B-A-S dot U-S. And now, enjoy the podcast. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Today I want us to um, look at a passage that often doesn't get the amount of attention that I believe it deserves outside of probably the Roman Catholic Church and the Orthodox Church. The passage um, that I want us to uh, examine this morning a little closer is, um, is found in the Acts of the Apostles in the first chapter. And it tells, of course, of the ascension of Jesus our Lord. This feast celebrated last Thursday, of course, signifies the completion of Jesus' ministry on earth. And it's celebrated by the church, as we know, for 40 days after the resurrection and then 10 days before the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, which we celebrate next Sunday. As Christians, we believe that at the end of Jesus' earthly life, he literally and bodily ascended into heaven. We could even go as far as to say that this is one of those doctrines that divides Christians from non-Christians. After all, all of the major creeds mention it, and every Christian group believes it. Luke ended his gospel work, 24th chapter, by telling of this supernatural event in just two short verses, which I still have a hard time wrapping my mind around that for the supernatural event that occurred. But I want you to hear today, just briefly, what he closed out his gospel in chapter 24, beginning at verse 50. And I ask you to follow along in your Bibles, if you have them or at home, picking it up in Luke 24, verse 50. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. He actually begins his gospel in the temple and ends it in the temple. And he never uses the word worship in his gospel till this verse right here. This is a more remarkable event. Luke, of course, as we know, also wrote the sequel to that in the book of Acts. In the Acts of the Apostle, as we heard this morning, start with this story in Acts chapter 1. I'd like to ask you once again to follow along your bulletin now, beginning at verse 6, and we're going to look at these verses before we launch into this learning this morning. So when they had come together, he asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, 
It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power from the Holy Spirit when he comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. When he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who is taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. You read that. And if you back up to verse 9, I think it's probably one of the most remarkable statements you'll see anywhere in Holy Scripture. It says, He was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. It's hard for us to even put our minds around. And sadly, it seems that we overlook the significance of this supernatural event. We believe it, but we don't place the significance on it or even think of it often. So it doesn't really seem all that important to some. Or perhaps it just doesn't seem as important to us as the crucifixion or the resurrection. Many believers, the ascension seems like a P.S. to the main message of the gospel. Perhaps a convenient way for Jesus to return to the Father in heaven. After all, how does this supernatural event that's before us today relate or even apply to our lives today. I want us to take a very simplistic, practical look at this miraculous event and see how it has historically and still does take shape in our lives this day. I think we would all agree here this morning that rising up is better than descending. All entertainers want to be at the top of the charts. All athletes want to be on the top of their game. And all students want to be able to be at the top of their class. Everyone would rather have an up day than a down day. When the stock market rises, we all rejoice. But we stand in despair when it falls. No one ever wants to be at the bottom of someone's list. We work hard to climb the corporate ladder, not descend it. We often hear and read about mountain climbers and mountaintop moments. Not much is ever said or written about the valley dwellers in this world. The applicable reality is that we all want to live ascended lives. I think we'd agree on that. We want to break free from the things that hold us down and rise above. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. In fact, everything is right with that. Something within us knows that we're more than just earthbound creatures. The problem is we've distorted, we have distorted what the ascension and the ascended life really is. We forget or perhaps deny that Christ's ascension seats humanity next to Almighty God. We tend to settle or strive for attempted self-ascension instead. That distortion has invaded our theology and even our understanding of God. In that distorted view, God 
heaven and holiness are way up there, and we're still all down here. So we spend our lives jumping up and down like small children, try to jump hard enough or high enough or fast enough to reach the heavens, reach the clouds. This distortion, it's lived out in many ways in all of our lives. But it almost always, it almost always involves comparison, competition, and sadly, usually judgment. Compare ourselves and our lives to the lives of others. We compete fiercely with one another, believing that for us to ascend, others have to descend, or at least not jump as high as we do. We therefore forgive judging ourselves and one another. We fill our lives with busyness, hoping to ascend to new heights. Life of self-ascension keeps us always searching for the next high in this life. Our attempts at self-ascension fragment both the world and our lives, and we know it. They separate the creature from the creator. They destroy relationships and intimacy in our lives. Ultimately, they become the gravity that denies the ascended life that we're actually seeking. Life that in reality has already been given to us and promised to us through Jesus. Friends, Jesus' ascension reshapes our distorted understanding of what the ascended life really is. His ascension is the corrective and the remedy the fragmentation and separation, self-ascension. Because he alone is the only authentic and life-giving ascension that we can possibly have. Through him and him alone, we too can live ascended lives. His ascension is about his presence, but about not the absence of him here, but his true presence with us here and in eternity. It's not about his leaving, but about the fullness of him who fills all in all, as Ephesians 1.23 says. It's not about location or destination, but a relationship. Friends, presence, fullness, and relationship must surely be what lie behind the question that the men in white ask in verse 11. When they ask the disciples, why do you stand looking up at heaven? As if they were saying, don't misunderstand or disfigure this very moment in time in your lives. Don't deny yourselves the gift that's been given to you. The glorious ascension of Jesus completes the resurrection. The resurrection, as we well know, is our visible victory over sin and death. The ascension, however, lifts humanity up to heaven. Jesus' ascension seats him in human flesh, no different than our flesh, at the right hand of God as Father and our Father today. Paul tells us in Colossians 1.3, If you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Jesus' ascension, folks, provides us and enables us to partake in God's glory and divinity. The ascension is more about letting go than it is reaching and grasping. 
question for us isn't how do we ascend. That's already been accomplished and made possible to each of us through Christ. The question becomes, what pulls us down? What pulls us down? What people, places, and things do we need to let go of? We all know that fear, anger, and resentment weigh us down. We know the need to be right and be in control has a heavy burden and weight on us. For some, self-righteousness, jealousy, or pride become their gravity. Many of us will be caught in chains of perfectionism and the need to prove that we're enough in this life. For others, it might be indifference or apathy. Far too many lives are tethered by addictions. The fact is, gravity takes many forms in all of our lives and changes. So today, what might that gravity be that denies you Jesus' ascension today? Gravity that keeps us tethered isn't a law of science, folks, or the circumstances of our lives. This gravity is not around us, but the gravity that is within us. So in the days ahead, in this long weekend, or during this time of social separation, take a personal inventory. And as you reflect, give thanks to Jesus and for all of those who have served and paid the ultimate price to provide our spiritual and physical freedom to ascend to that life that we so desire. Take a look at your life and identify the places of gravity that are pulling you down right now today. If you have some work to do, don't feel alone and don't be in despair. The very things that hold us down also point to the way of ascension, folks. Friends, our participation in Jesus' ascension begins not by looking up, but by looking inward. So this week, take that time to look within. Let our risen Savior set you free to truly ascend. The ascended life that we desperately desire is only found by abiding in Jesus, as we heard last Sunday. And it's only achieved through trusting and obeying God's holy word. And if when you struggle and fail, and you will, because we all do, we can take comfort knowing that the ascended Savior is at the right hand of God today. And as we heard said this morning in John 17, he is there today interceding for our prayers just as he was doing the last night of his life in the garden before he went to the cross at Calvary to pay our sin debt, to allow us to truly ascend into lives with him once again, to be in his presence, and to be with those who have gone before us, who have lived that, that ascended life, not the one that we self-ascend ourselves into. So rejoice. Rejoice and rise up to the ascended life that we have been promised. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St. Barnabas Anglican Church Podcast. 
May the Lord bless you and keep you this week, and we'll see you next time. This episode of the St. Barnabas Anglican Church podcast is copyright 2020, St. Barnabas Anglican Church in Fort Worth, Texas, all rights reserved.